Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello, Dan here, along with Michael. And we've got a very special guest today. We'll introduce him in a second or two. International break, so we thought we'd do something different. Completely forgot there was an England game. So uh, we were just before we started recording Johnny mentioned it and I was like oh yeah that's what international breaks are for this will have happened in the past now because this is going to come out there's probably another England game are there several uh, next one is at the weekend or Monday I think detail bothering I like how we since, nailed... since Calvin Phillips left yeah. whatever we really nail the details on this show don't we this is, uh, <laughs> this is Johnny Cooper from Opta hi Johnny we know each other from, from way back when don't we because you started out uh, I like to think we gave you the springboard for your entire career uh, writing stuff in the square ball some years back 100% it was uh the Simon Grayson promotion season and at that point I was hoping to go into uh, sports journalism so this was like you know incredible really getting my work in the um, yeah in the magazine and uh, did about did three or four articles and then uh, changed my mind on going into sports journalism and uh, <laughs> just used to buy the magazine instead rather than writing for it but so you're at Johnny Cooper 26 on Twitter which is where people will know you you do great leads stats for Opta often finding like new and interesting angles on stuff. We'll get to all that. And so so when you were writing for us, how old were you then when you were you were penning stuff for the square ball? Well, I must have been fifteen, I think the first time. And then yeah, between sort of fifteen and eighteen. So when I was obviously when you're fifteen and you're reading the magazine, like people are swearing, you know, and like you'd be reading the articles and it'd be like someone would say, you know, this, you know, fucking I don't know who's who was who was a poor player for us back then. I don't know. <laughs> Most Pistone, of them. you know, or somebody like that. <laughs> so I read that and I thought Oh, wow, I can, you know, I can swear like, you know, because obviously at school you can't put your English language dissertation or whatever, you can't swear. So I did the, um, the end of the 2009-10 season when we got promoted, I did a review of all the players and my review of Paddy Kisnorbo was just, Paddy Kisnorbo is fucking brilliant. So I've written that and I thought, they don't need to say any more about that because he, he was incredible that season. So comes to the first game of the next season, Derby at home and I've picked up the magazine and I thought I'm going to read through this and it just said, number three, Patrick Kisnobo, and then un- un- underneath it just said, brilliant. <laughs> it had just been totally cut. <laughs> and there was hardly any swearing. I thought, yeah, I probably didn't need to do all that swearing, actually. So that was a good, that was a good lesson. <laughs> Sammy swearing is big and clever. That's why I first got into square ball, to be honest, as well. Similar experience, yeah. buying it as a teenager and being like, oh, it's good, it's got, it's got swearing and jokes I don't understand. Anarchy. And pictures of Kylie Minogue at the yeah. time as well. It was, we're quite big in the mid-90s. So, I mean, of course, we didn't give you your... your- in, in, platform into your career you did far 
better without us, to be perfectly honest. In that first season as well, it was a couple of your mates selling it as well. Yep, they were, yeah. Ollie and James, give them a shout out. Why, yeah. why did you not do it? Lazy. Oh, wow. That's the right on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is true. Lazy. Definitely lazy. Lazy teenager. Yeah, I was too busy writing for it, to be fair. Oh, enough. fair enough. Yeah. Fair I enough. do remember actually walking down to buy it from you from the, on the Lowfield Sunnel. I just remember you passing it to me and I went to give you like a quid and you just went, no, no, it's all right, mate. And that was like, oh, wow, it's free. <laughs> Which is great. You can be, is this, have you been giving freebies away? <laughs> to special people. Oh, good lad. Make you pay for yours. So I'm interested in the football manager thing as well. So you ended up doing the lead stats for football manager. Correct. Yeah. So, so how does that come about then? So I can't remember where I actually first saw it, but I think it, it could have possibly been on Twitter where somebody had, had, had retweeted something, maybe with the hashtag LUFC, and said, we are looking for a new football manager researcher for, for Leeds. So I got in touch with uh, the guy who's called Dean, and he said, oh yeah, it sounds great, you know, you go to all the home games, and you've got great knowledge of all the players. I think I said my favourite player was Lubo Michelik, which obviously isn't normal, so he probably thought, oh, he's probably got a weird knowledge of football, so that, was, that always kind of helps. Did, did you have any sort of background in stats prior to that, or was it just no. the on spec? No, literally nothing. It was just more than knowing a lot about Leeds and, and the players. That That's yeah, always been the, the way in, really. And then it was the football manager stuff was a really good way of being able to say, this is what I do, and, and it's obviously a great game. And So, so how how do you decide stats for football manager? Then? And what, so what, what, what season is this yeah, I was just well. going to say, what year was it? Yeah, so yeah. this was between 2012-13 and 2014-15. So you've got like the glory years of, of like Warnock, McDermott, Hockaday, Rosler. Maybe uh, Redfern, I guess, was end of that season. Mm. So basically, you get a, a big. Have you played football manager and seen all the? Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. all the stats. So you know Luke Varney, fifteen pace. You know that would be me <laughs> deciding that. So <laughs> the funny story was, I don't know if you remember when GFH were on about signing Ashley Barnes. Yeah, and, yeah. and then he didn't because his stats weren't as good as Luke Varney. So that was my fault. So I'd, I'd given Luke Varney... You're shouldering that one. Yeah, I'm going to shoulder the blade for that one. So that was, yeah, that was my fault. Is there anyone from that, I'm trying to think who was who would have been in the, the kind of youth team then, was there anyone that you, you missed who turned out to be good? I'm sure I think it would have been like, would Lewis Cook or... Lewis Cook, yeah, Lewis Cook was coming through and he was, I think he was quite well known that he was going to do quite well. I think, I didn't miss anybody. I, you know, I really, really could, you know, didn't, I probably did. I mean, I remember... Alex Mowat coming through around about that time and that kind of came out of nowhere I remember rating him not that well I think he was captain of the youth team for a bit and then he came into the first team and obviously he was really good and then we had to kind of bump him up so uh, I think Sam Byram that first season mm. as well come through so uh, there were a few but it's one of them where even if you have missed a player and, and I think Fabian Delph on one of the old ones was like a, a you know a centre back or something and he was completely wrong position and then he, you know, he came through and was, was brilliant and it's, it can be difficult you know unless you've got a in-depth knowledge of the youth team. So if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge, is there a bit of hit and hope that involved in that? And... There's sometimes, yeah. I mean, I actually saw something on Twitter about earlier about Monty Gimple. Like, yeah. you remember Monty Gimple? Yeah. So he was in the youth team around that time. I think he had quite a good rating because he was quite highly rated and then obviously, well, he's done really well for his career. I think mm. he's a, yeah, he's doing really well. But uh, Works in the city now, doesn't he, for anyone yeah. who's not seen that. But yeah, I, I, at the time, I think mainly he just had a good agent, didn't he? Because he was constantly yeah. being linked with Arsenal and... Yeah. Man United and all, I think Bayern Munich at one point. It's a bit like Cody Drama is the, the, the proto example, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he, he will go on to have a career though, I think. Yeah, but I mean, like, he's, oh, he's going to go to uh, mm. Borussia Dortmund and Newcastle, they're all after him. He's on loan at Luke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Behave. Did you get to decide chairman stats as well? Because in the older games, you could see the chairman stats, couldn't you? And I think yeah. in, in, few, in at some point they decided to not display them because I think like yeah. Ken, I Bates, can see, can Ken, Bates, this, Ken Bates kind of got upset by being badly rated at certain things. Yeah. That was yeah, and that was around the time when there was the takeover as well. Mm. 
So you had to kind of try and keep track of who everybody was. So it was like New Ruddin was the chairman, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with Ken Bates, the amount of people who had like this disliked person, Ken Bates, mm. was insane. It was crazy. <laughs> like there was so many. What, what was, chairman ratings did you have? Because I, I think I was busy have, off having young children about this point. So I kind of mm. fell off the, uh, off the football manager wagon chairman, for a bit. I suppose it was things like, I don't know if this was actually the term, but like generosity. So like, would, it, would this chairman, yeah, put money the in patience. for a chance for patience? Right. Yeah, and I think I think there were some some ratings about basically questionable opinions about the Chinese. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that sort of stuff. It's funny I've played that version of champ manager relatively recently because yeah. I know we've kind of had our ongoing which which seems to have been stalled again. Now a um, a one hundred two version of it, but I was looking. I mean, for that was it. That was championship manager back then. That was championship it? manager. Yeah, yeah. Same game though. It's so all yeah. got taken over, didn't it? But as we did the the football manager marathon which was the minus 15 yeah, season so I was trying to find a, an interesting one to play and I thought the Warnock season is kind of it felt like a bit of a low point yep. so I thought if we if you're having to take on promotion with Brownie and Tongi and Varney and all all of his all of his boys mm. I thought it'd be quite an interesting starting point so yeah I have actually played that version relatively how, how recently did you get on did you take them up I did eventually yeah I think I got up second season and I was I think I've abandoned it somewhere in the Premier League. Yeah. I was doing all right, though. Yeah. I think I was doing all right, but I suspect the game's easier than real life. <laughs> I think so. Have you got a big regret from the Championship manager, sorry, football manager, like, stats? Is there one player where you thought, oh, I really missed the boat on that one, or, God, I got him right? Or, or was it Luke Varney having 15 points? <laughs> it's probably Luke Varney yeah. would be the main one, yeah. I think, yeah, m- most of it was pretty much spot on, I would say. Uh, I would say that, though, obviously, but, yeah, <laughs> looking back, I don't think there was anyone who I thought, Oh, he's like, why is Mikhail Forsell scoring 30 goals when his, mm. you know, his legs have gone? I think everybody was, yeah, was pretty much spot on. Were there any stats that you had to determine that you don't see on like the public side of the game, like behind the scenes stats? Because I know there are certain attributes that are hidden. Can you see disliked people on the actual game? I yeah, think you, I think you can. And you can, yeah. Because El Hajjouf was in Neil Warnock's and then mm. I had to remove him when Juf <laughs> signed. So, yeah, <laughs> which was good because he was a sewer rat. Tendency to spit, tendency yeah. to grab groin, that sort of thing. So, from football manager to opter, what what was that? What was that journey like? Yeah, so that was a bit of serendipity, I'd say, because it was summer 2013. So I so basically just to give a background to what else I was doing. So football manager was just a you got the game free at the end, but you didn't get paid for it. So I worked at Tesco for three years. So I left sixth form, had a place at university, but decided I didn't want to go to university for, for plenty of reasons, and just thought it's not for me. So I went to work at Tesco do the football manager stuff. And then after about a year, got a, um, an email from uh, Dean who did the um, did the head research in basically for all the Northern teams. So, And he said, oh, I've just seen this job come up at Opta and the office used to be at Park Lane College, just up from Park Lane College, um, and said, oh, I think, you know, anybody who's based in the North, you know, particularly around, you know, West Yorkshire should really look at applying for the job because you all do similar stuff for manager if it's interesting. And it was, it was Opta and it was, uh, you know, as a data editor. So I applied, you know, I looked at my CV and I thought, not really got a lot on my CV. So I put a, a load of effort into my cover letter and mentioned like old footballers from the 90s. Like I look back through my old sticker albums that I had when I was a kid and I was like Hamilton Ricard's on there. So I'll just drop that in and, you know, <laughs> old Bradford players and just thought I need to, I need to try and stand out from, from the crowd because my CV wasn't, you know, wasn't the best. So ended up getting an interview for that. Got down to the last two people. This is when I was 19 um, and unfortunately didn't get the job. Somebody else got the job. And then... I basically just kept on badgering the person who did my interview and said, please, are there any jobs coming up or can you let me know? And then I think the, the year later, I did a couple of days like work experience. And then it wasn't until about another nine months after that, 
that I got an email from a very stressed person who would later be my boss saying, we need somebody in ASAP. The season starts at Saturday. This is like Monday. Can you start? And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Get me in. So, uh, yeah. Stripe a uniform at Tesco in the bin. Gone. Yeah. At least my last shift at Tesco was at midnight on Friday night. And I started at 11 o'clock at Opta <laughs> on the Saturday. Didn't have any break between jobs. Bloody hell. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, that's the thing that I'd like to sort of like stress really is I don't really have any, I don't have a university degree in statistics or anything like that. I just have, I suppose, a good knowledge of football. And, and I was just really determined that I, I knew that job was for me, really. And it would be perfect. So, that was, yeah, that was kind of my way in, was just being. An absolute nuisance. What? Why did you know it was for you? I think certain jobs just fit certain people, and I just think I, I can't think of another job that I would be better at. If that makes sense, you know, like some people are just really good at, um, you know, finance, so they go and you know be a banker or things like that. Whereas my passion is football and remembering stats from years gone by. I mean, there's that line in Fever Pitch where he says somebody was on a conversation with him about an Arsenal game in the seventies, and he said, "Oh, do you remember that game when we beat Newcastle five 2 and he replies, no, it's 5-3. I try not to be a bit like that, because you'd be a bit of an arsehole, but like, being able to remember games from years gone by and knowing the results, who scored, who made the debut. Do you remember when Philippe da Costa got sent off against Berry? Things like that. So, and then the job that I do, you know, come on to it, but you know, is being able to remember those things off the top of your head helps, if that makes sense. And then you can actually delve into the database. I know when I first started going to Leeds games, I used to think, I'll remember all of this forever. Because I think it was... <laughs> I don't know if it's just because when I was a kid, just had not as much information floating about. But like, I remember like go, my first 20 games or whatever, I could remember absolutely everything about them. And then at some point around like early 2000s, just gone. Couldn't remember what happened the previous week. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I think he may though. have been drinking. <laughs> was, the, was the key factor in it. Just going to, another, think? Going to an away game and thinking, I know we lost. I can't really remember what happened. Or, <laughs> just gone anymore. Destroying your brain. <laughs> I can remember stuff from years and years ago and I was like you I was always kind of a, a geek for kind of numbers like you know the, the back few pages of the programme where they've got the player appearances I always used to like that to be orderly and the subs in that column yeah, and the, num- the shirt numbers and it always fascinated me the, the kind of grid layout of it I don't know what, what it was particularly but it's just had a real magnetism mm-hmm. for me like and seeing the league table printed in there which is funny isn't it given yeah. that football's on every day of the week these days and it's always hideously out of date but mm-hmm player appearances and the attendances always stuck with me as well mm-hmm. I always loved it when we got over 30,000 when we were but so I obviously started going in the 80s when it was a proper low point for attendances but every now and then we'd have an attendance against like Bradford City or whatever that would be mm-hmm. 33,000 you're like oh it's so exciting it's a yeah. different different number in that column I don't know if you used to uh, have the, the old you know history books the old Leeds history like Rothmans books and and Rothmans like that, yeah. yeah and you know I've got all them at home and I think the, the, the one that I remember when I was a kid going to the library and being taken out every week was the one by David Saffer and Malcolm McDonald years ago. Had, I think it used to have like John Charles on the front of it and it just had like, I think it was up to like 1989, every player who played and like their statistics mm. and who was the manager in that year and, you know, again, like you say, what the attendance was, who scored and then just like literally just flicking through that. And that book, it. I'm fairly sure you could pay an amount of money before that was published mm. to get your name in the yeah, back of it and my true. name's in that book. Oh, really? It is, I'm one of the, one of the names, in it? Yeah, I've yeah. got a copy of it somewhere. It'll be in my loft at home somewhere but yeah, yeah that's just brought back a brought back a memory yeah yeah so so explain what it is that you do up to them what's the job title and what does that involve so we are uh, in the data insights team now we used to be data editorial it's kind of the, it's the same thing just a different name so basically i suppose a lot of people would have seen optijo on twitter so optijo basically we tweet out the best stats we either do that uh, during a week if there's no games on like today uh, meza Erzl's just retired 
So there's like three or four stats about Mesut Ozil. Truthfully, I'd have guessed he retired about four years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's been like sort of just I don't even know, I couldn't even tell you the last team he played for. I think somewhere <laughs> in Turkey, I think. So so is it your job then to take raw? Do you do you put together raw data or do you take raw data that exists and then turn it into facts? That's exactly it. Yeah, other people collect the data that then pumps into the database and then we can then extract that from the database. So right. just for instance, just give an example of, of Mesut Özil. So he has the record since 2003-04, which is when we started collecting detailed statistics for the Premier League, which is like chances created, passes, tackles. So he's created the most chances in a season since then. So as soon as he retired today, whoever was working would have thought, he has the record for that. We need to just tweet that and we need to give that you know, to, the, to our followers. And I think we've got 1.3 million followers now, which is, you know, is, is, is crazy. And you know, we've got a big reach of people we can tweet stats to. And we know... Sort of which players and which teams tend to get the most retweets and the most uh, interaction. Uh, and, you know, that's really good for us. And, and Optijo kind of has the trademark of a number at the front, then the fact, and then it's got an end word. So it could be like a player has just scored the winning goal third game in a row, and it could be like timing as the end word because he's, you know, done it again, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, so that's one part of our job. And Optijo is run by about 10 of us. So we've got 10 of us in the team. So it's not oh, like we've got... Tell me, where's Joe? I know and there is there is an opt to Johnny, but that's rugby, so I'm not involved in that. But uh, yeah, so so we just run that ourselves basically, and we we know the, the stats that people are interested in, or we like to think we do. Uh, and that's yeah, that's so that's one part of the job. And then we do a lot of stuff during the live games. So uh, if you're watching Sky on a weekend, Leeds are playing Man United. Say for instance, the game was on Sky when we played them at Old Trafford this season, and Willie Nonto scored that goal after a minute. Somebody is then looking in our files or in our database. When was the last time a player scored in the first minute at Old Trafford against Man United? Or when was the last time a Leeds player scored in the first minute? And then that's a fact. And then we give that to whoever works at Sky. And then Martin Tyler might read that out live on there. So it's kind of an instant gratification as a job because you are, especially now working at home, because we work at home all the time now, you sat in your own house and you give something via a computer and then it gets read out on the TV. It's like, I did that! It is crazy, yeah. It's, 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 and it's funny because I've, I mean, I've been there for eight years now and you kind of get numb to it almost. Like I remember the first, because we do Match of the Day as well, a lot of stuff on Match of the Day. So any stats that Gary Lineker reads out, Alan Shearer, or they'll put a little table up, like they'll be explaining, you know, this player's won the most possession in this game this season and they'll do like the top five. So we'll have sent that to them. So I'll have sent that, maybe some, I might send that in the evening, somebody who, who I work with sent that. And then it goes out live to millions of people in the evening. And when I first started, I was like, oh my God, that's incredible. And then now you kind of get a bit like, oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I do it every week. Like that's normal. But it is really in- incredible actually to to do that and have that kind of impact on the coverage. Because I mean, I'm, I don't understand databases. So this stuff all just exists. Some engineers, some very clever engineers, mm-hmm. no doubt have built a very clever yes. database. So you just tap in whatever it is you want to find. So if you want to find out who was the last player to score at Old Trafford in the first minute, let's say, how do you do that? A lot of it is Microsoft Excel. So the reports are in the database and there's loads of hundreds of different reports. So for like that, you would run like a, what we call a goal report and then that basically spits out the date of every goal, what minute it was scored in, who scored it, did he score with his right foot, was it inside the box, who assisted it, who was the goalkeeper, all that kind of stuff. And then you just put that in a big Excel file and then as soon as, like you say, first minute of the goal, filter out one minute, and then you just look look at it from there. But it does take it. Excel knowledge is obviously very important. And yeah. When I first started, I didn't really have a great knowledge of Excel. I used to use it because I used to collect leads data and stuff before I started. But like since I've been at Opta, like it's it's built up over time, and it's yeah, it's very very key now to the job. 
What sort of leads data were you accumulating then before you did this, and, and what was the the reasoning for that? Was it just that you were sort of fascinated by the whole thing? Yeah, literally just just a, just a geek, really. Yeah, just like <laughs> uh, yeah, who played in each game, so or what uh, doing an all time results, so for every game and what score was, and then you can filter out various whether a player scored if he had a good record, and then once I started Optera, I sort of saw how they collected it, I suppose, in in, in Excel, and then I started doing that myself. So. I think it was about a year after I beat Opta. I did a, a put together a big file which has every player to play in every game for Leeds, and then like whether they scored, what squad number they were wearing, who the team they were playing against. How big an undertaking is that? Are you doing it all on your own? Yeah, that's all on manually as well. So it's like tech, it took me about six months, I would say, to put it properly together, and then I had, added to it like I've got like uh, who assisted every goal back to about 1990, I think. <laughs> yeah, and again, that was manually watching the videos of like. It's crazy. Like you watch the Howard Wilkinson team and the amount of goals we score from corners. Mm-hmm. Is Strachan knocking a ball in Mel Sterling either knocking it on or scoring himself? Is is crazy that that season? It's hard to tell because we did obviously watch back a lot of those games for the match ball thirty we did, and the amount of times you're struggling with the grainy footage as well to work out who it is because yeah. you're like, is that is that Chris Fairclough? Is it Chris White? I can't really yeah. tell because it's you're looking at a, such a horribly pixelated image and you're like yeah and, it, and a lot of it when they've digitised old TV footage onto like YouTube it's really bad isn't mm. it so all you can see is like it looks a bit like Sensible Soccer used to look like a little <laughs> about four pixels over yeah. there by the near post or whatever yeah, yeah. That, that that was definitely an issue for the early 90s stuff because especially like the further back you go the less knowledge I have of the players mm. so I mean like early 2000s that's you know everyone knows those players but you, there's stuff like Andy Williams yeah mm. I mean I didn't really know what he looked like you know, and then, yeah, just knowing him as a singer, really. I, I didn't know, was, you know, so it, and he, he assisted a few goals and it's like, yeah, I had to really slow down the footage to, to work it out. What, it, what I'm trying to get to the bottom of what it speaks to in your character that made you want to do that. That's fascinating. It's, yeah, thought... it's weird. I think it's one of them things where it, I was just really good at retaining the knowledge, I would say. So like if, if someone had a quiz question, they would always go to come to me or if we do a quiz, football quiz, Johnny, you need to come with us for the quiz. You know, and that's, you know, you kind of in there by default and, I'll just let Johnny do it. I mean, I remember we were mentioning um, Ollie and James who used to sell square ball. The first away game we went to was uh, uh, MK Dons. I think Snodgrass mm-hmm. got ahead of promotion last season. Last minute. Last minute. Great first away game. And we were doing the Daily Star crossword in the back and it was a football crossword. And Ollie had it in the middle and he was doing it for a bit and then I was just like, yeah, that's uh, that's that play. And you just went, oh, for fuck's sake, you just do it. You know, you, you, know, you kind of... spoil all my fun. You kind of want to be on the edge yeah. of not being too annoying but also like, just give me the paper. You know, so it's, yeah, and it's like when I used to do science at school, like I was awful at science because I just wasn't interested. Like I wasn't interested in the, you know, learning about it. Whereas with Leeds, I am interested in who scored in 1924 against yeah, yeah. Man United. Does it kind of colour your view of how you watch football now? Like, can you watch it as just a fan or are you kind of watching it as a statistician as well? That is, that is a great question because there were times, especially under Bielsa, where there were certain players who were just incredible and had certain stats where I knew in my head before the game, if he does that in that game, he's the first player to do that since. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, <laughs> I hope he does it. But I'm thinking, for God's sake, watch, watch the game. Watch the game. So I've tried to kind of stop doing that. So like, I mean, you have to ask the people who sit next to me at Leeds games, at home games. I'm, you know, I can be a bit irate and get up and shout and swear and whatever. And So, so, so if, try not, if try you and... watch a game then and you're you're doing that, do you then go back and watch the game again and get the stats from it? No, no. So, so, so will you, oh, will that just be for Opta to so do that? So Opta's already collected that now. Right. So, so say the stuff in like the 90s that I collected myself, they'd not collected Opta, I didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, so you can I, marry up the data between exactly the two. That, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, 
it could, it could sometimes it can be quite debatable whether you know a player has scored like Jack Harrison the other, the other day the own goal yeah. which then got given to I think it was Solly March mm. yeah and that I think it wasn't it looked like a goal to me but uh, that got changed later by the Premier League so dubious goals panel so there can be times where you do need you're relying on the governing bodies to, yeah. to, to work it out but how do you watch football Michael like, you know when you're in the ground because you start like making notes don't you occasionally like in your phone about stuff that's happening in the game because I with the match ball I know it won't ever come across like this but I just come in and wing it a lot of the time no way <laughs> particularly for the yeah, home that's because you're hosting it so you just have to go what did you think of Jack Harrison today yeah, yeah, yeah I've got the easy job so you can yeah, just yeah. do that I, I only do it because I don't want to be stuck for things I'll miss anything major out like if, if there was a, a goal disallowed that I've forgotten about and we yeah. just don't mention it it looks bad and I know people now point out many occasions where that has happened but generally speaking I just like to have a vague reminder of it the way I organise notes when I do it I do it by minute but then at the bottom of my notes app I put more general stuff that I've noticed Yeah. so like under Marsh it was typically like we can't pass to each other or something it would say underneath it was that born out in the stats? yes so um, this season under Jesse Marsh we were top for unsuccessful passes across Europe's top five leagues Wow. England, England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain. So that's so, what, like a hundred teams or whatever? Nearly. Yeah, yeah. I think it was something like two thousand over two thousand, and we were top by oh, top, a, right, okay. a couple of hundred. Oh, so all the top divisions, like not yeah, right. including France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. So we were, we were. So you, wow, you, that's the thing you can kind of comp- compare across. World beating, yeah, world beating stats. World beating, <laughs> yeah. Have, have you come across any? Because that supports what you're watching. Have you? Do you come across stats ever that you think, well, that can't be right? Like mm. if, if, for example. You did. It, there was some stat on the marsh that suggested we were good at passing. You would have watched it, and you've got you've gone. Well, what's happened to the stats there? Either they're being either it's wrong, or there's something in the play that's making it better because there's a lot of, a lot of successful passes just between centre backs or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, sometimes uh, you watch a game and you think you come away from it, and you, you're watching like the midfielders, and you think, Jesus, he gave the ball away a lot today, didn't he? Like he was constantly giving the ball away. You look at the stats, like three unsuccessful mm. passes, and you think, I've only picked out the ones that have been really bad. Actually, the like Rocker is the one who obviously gets mm. quite a lot of criticism, but you know he's he's well up there for things like progressive passes, you know, forward passes, and sometimes you watch games and you think he's just knocking it back to the defenders and keeping it simple. But actually, the stats say you know say say different, and you know that's that's part of part of my job really is making sure people can see the game slightly differently. It was on one of the square ball emails last week. It was either I can't remember if it was Mo- Rob or Moscow, but on the Mark Rocker progressive passes thing, they did say a stat made up by his mum, so she can say he's good. <laughs> Which made me laugh. Has Gracia improved things since he's coming in terms of pass completion? Yes, uh, I think we are now tenth for unsuccessful passes per game compared to first under under Marsh. Tenth in the Premier League, so I think we were at 105 per game under Marsh, and now we're at 83 under Gracia right. and. I don't actually have the passing accuracy stats to hand, which is terrible as a stato, but yeah, they have steadily improved. So so what's the general shape of Leeds' this season then from a statistics point of view? Not very good. The underlying data, not good? <laughs> um, well, the running data is good, which again was something that people, you know, the thing, the thing is with running data, people praised, it for, praised us under Bielsa for, for that, and I don't think you can then criticise us under a different manager because we run a lot. I think that's... That was a stat that we, you know, the top three distances covered in the Premier League this season are all leads. And they're all games we actually avoided defeating. I think we won two of them. And again, even things like sprints, which under Bielsa in the first season, we were like thousands ahead for sprints, like from any Premier League team. Obviously, people say that was just a fake season because it was behind closed doors. Teams weren't trying as hard, but, you know, we were like the outlier for that. You know, things like press pressures and pressing, we, we were well up there for, you know, under Marsh. And that's obviously something that Grassi has changed 
with the you know with the Brighton game where fans were starting to get a bit edgy when they weren't closing <laughs> people not, down. A nice, a nice understatement that. Yeah. I'm aware this is a very very open question, but what do you make of XG? Well, I mean, it has got its place. It's it's one of those things where it's just an added extra. Well, tell you what, before you answer the question completely, explain to us what XG is from your point of view, because we try and explain it and never quite get the words right. Yeah. So every shot has got an expected goals value. So it's a percentage basically out of 100. But it's it's, usually, it's obviously, when you look at the XG, like halftime of a game on Sky, they'll have XG now, and it'll say 1.3. So every shot is out of 100%, what chance you've got of scoring that from that position. Decimalised though, isn't it? Like yeah, decimalised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's basically saying, so before you would just have, say you've just got, you've had a team who's had 15 shots. If they've had those 15 shots all from outside the box, you know, it looks good that they've had 15 shots, but actually they would they were from nowhere and they went miles wide. Whereas you look at it just as like, they've had loads of shots, that looks good. And XG would then say, well, actually it was only 0.9 XG. So, and that's something that we have actually noticed from probably, you know, Ops are putting that out there is teams are having a lot, fewer shots from outside the box now and that's married up with the data and a part of that is XG coming in and saying the XG for that shot is very, very, very low. You should actually be trying to take a shot from closer in because you've got more chance of scoring. Right. Does, that, does that make sense? So yeah. every shot's got a value and that is, that's come from thousands of shots. So does it mean then if that shot is, let's say it's, it's a 0.4 XG, yeah. does that mean that that shot has gone in 40% of the time from that position? Yeah. Of, does, an, does, of, a, of an average player from the shots that have been so analysed. Does it factor in the players then and their abilities? Say if it's a defender in that position rather than attacker. I'm not sure about the I'm not sure about the player. It does factor in where other players are on the pitch. Right. So say you've got like an he's he's five yards out, he's got an open net and there's no other players around him, that would be very high XG. If he's five yards out and he's off balance and there's players all around him and he has a shot, that would be a lower XG because there are other factors involved. The goalkeeper might be stood in his way. So does XG function best then when it's used with other stats to say, like say, 15 shots from outside the box, but the XG is low, suggests they're all long speculative efforts. So you kind of, you're able to then construct a, a more rounded picture of what's happening. Yeah, it's better to use it over a few games or over a season rather than just individual shots. I always say it's, you shouldn't really be using it for individual shots, to be honest. People are interested in who's had the highest XG shot this season without scoring because they only want to put together like a compilation of Worst misses, kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, so that that's something you know we get asked for. And how much does professional football use XG and the stats connected to it? Then, because you were sort of saying that people might look at, at the data that's coming out and see uh, lots of low XG shots taking place, so they just, they'll decide to say, right, we'll try and work it towards a penalty spot then instead, and go for higher XG shots. Does is that applied quite a lot in football? I would say so. Now, I think it's just one of the things that's in people's psyche almost. I think part of our job is seeding new metrics into the mainstream. So to start off with, with expected goals, there was a lot of, you know, pushback on it. Like people didn't didn't want to know. But then once people start to understand it, they kind of see the value in it, if that makes sense. So again, Sky at half time now will always have XG. Match of the day, we're one of the first people to actually put that on XG at the end of the game, saying this team had that, that many and again you get comments from people, nobody cares. But then XG now is an accepted part, I think, of of, of the analysis. So you go back like 10, 15 years, maybe 15 years, people were interested in things like passes, tackles, and you know, the people who've worked opt for longer than me have said, to, people were interested in knowing how many successful passes this player had or how many tackles. It's only in more recent times that that's actually become sort of an accepted just part of the, it's just part of the analysis now. Why do you think that is? Why, why has the 
the sort of level of granular detail increased so much, do you think, and the, the fascination with it? Is it social media? I think it's got a big part of it, yeah. I mean, I look back at when I first started at Opta, which is 2015, and I mean, even when I first applied in 2013, these kind of things weren't really out there online. And people might listen and say, actually, that's wrong. These, these were things, but they weren't things that I really saw, like things like data websites where people had analysed the game. And part of that was because the data wasn't freely available. So if you worked Opta, you had the data and you could actually, you could use it. But unless you were a client of Opta, you couldn't necessarily take that data and use it yourself. Whereas now it's a lot more freely available. People can then, you know, like Rennie Marich was, was assistant of the assistant manager. And he, you know, he came from just, you know, as a, as a blogger. And he was obviously very successful with that. And then that's how he's kind of got his way in. I think that's going to be how quite a lot of other people do end up you know, getting into professional football is, is and, and they, those kind of websites are more prevalent. You know, think you look at Twitter now and, you know, there's that guy who just does the XG. I've forgotten his name. The XG philosophy. I, I think XG philosophy. That gets like 50,000. If it's like a, a really unjust game, I guess like 50,000 likes. People are like, people go mad for it. It's, it's yeah. you know, it, again, it's just an accepted part of the part of the process. In the old days, you, what you used to look at from a game, which was, for, for all the criticism XG gets, you did if you'd not seen a game, you would just look at shots on target. It was yeah. the thing you always used to look at, and you'd go, "Oh, I've had eight shots on target, but it doesn't. They could have all been into the keeper's hands from forty yeah. yards, couldn't they?" So, so, so XG basically adds another layer of value on top of that, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. Uh, is a is it right to say failing of XG would be because it, it only counts shots, doesn't it? So if someone fails to have a shot, mm. or if you've got, I'm just trying to think of a real life example, like Joffrey's goal against Norwich last year. If Rafinha doesn't pass to him. That was obviously a very good chance because Rafinha's around the keeper. From where he is, he's not going to score. But if he does pass it, which is an easy pass, then it's an almost guaranteed goal. Yeah. If he messes up that pass, it doesn't count as anything, does it, on XG? Whereas actually watching the game, you go, that was a golden opportunity there. You've got to score those. Yeah, exactly. I think there was one with Bamford against Everton where I think Harrison laid it into him and he just flicked his leg at it and mm. missed it. And again, that doesn't go down as a... Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah that would be it. But there's, I guess there are limitations in any statistical method yeah. because you yeah. have to set parameters mm-hmm. around it don't you yeah yeah. that's what you get I guess as the extra, the final layer of watching it and going oh but actually there was one where yeah, yeah Pat Bamford had an air shot so the eye, the eye test is important mm-hmm. as well yeah Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Is football quite hard to, to measure statistically as well? Because if you think about it, it's 22 players all moving and interacting with each other. The ball can theoretically go in any direction. How do you start to whittle down like you're saying, you're talking about how new metrics have kind of worked their way into the mainstream consciousness. Like somebody must have sat there and thought, right, I'm going to come up with XG now. Yeah. Like some galaxy brain has decided mm-hmm. to do that. And how have they decided to do that? And what do you see when you see a football game? Does it look like chaos to you or do you see it in statistical terms? Yeah, for me personally. Yeah. It's a mixture of the two. Like I said, I try and have a mixture of the two where I don't go too... You know, like if, if Leeds are playing poorly, I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, I bet we've got, I bet we've unsuccessful passes, you know, a lot today. I want to be, I want to be there and I want to be shouting and cheering them on, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it kind of, it's kind of finding the balance between, there are some people who do, and, and, you know, I see people on Twitter, again, who are Leeds fans and fans of other teams who do see the game like that. And then they're the ones who can really break it down. And, you know, even like um, friends of mine who've worked at Opta, who've got more of that sort of analytic brain, I would say, who can then go, I might be a little bit more, coming from a passionate side of things where I come away and I'm like, and then, and then they can kind of go, well, actually, you know, we, we actually played quite well today. That was that, that happened there, that happened there. So they, their brains might work in a slightly, slightly different way and more, I'm more of a, I like to reference all these players. It's kind of borne out in the way that you tweet as well. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who doesn't follow you, just to repeat, it's at johnnycooper26 on Twitter. Well worth a follow just because you come up with some really, I mean, every single time I see one of you, one of your tweets, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I like that. I wish I knew that. I wish I'd thought of that. Sometimes it can be ridiculously niche where I just think there are times where I have had a tweet there ready to, to put on and I thought, no, that is just like, that's just ridiculous. Like nobody's going to be interested. Like what? Like what? I mean, well, there was one about Rodrigo that I had that he, he scored in his last five league games against teams beginning with W. That's brilliant. Why didn't yeah. you tweet that out? But I mean, then I looked and it was like <laughs> the longest run by a player against a team with the same letter since <laughs> Luciano Becchio against teams beginning with N. And I just thought like, that is not... That's not normal. I like, really isn't. And who's going to find that interesting? Apart from me, the Rodrigo one, I think, is good. Yes. What? What? What's he got? One against. One against Watford. Three against Wolves. One against West Ham. So he, he likes Wolves, but he also likes Watford and West Ham. So just to shame, Wimbledon are in the Premier League. Oh, you need to bounce these offers because we'll definitely go. Yeah, tweet that. Tweet yeah. that. Tweet that. There's a few on Rodrigo. Like he's he's got 13 goals, which is the most by a Leeds player, age 30 or more or older in a season since which player? Chapman. Correct. Oh, 92, go. 93, got I was, 19. I was there, baby. I was yeah. there. <laughs> what, what else have you got then that's, uh, that's interesting from this season that, uh, that we might not we got, know? Rodrigo's got the best, uh, well, he's got the fourth best minutes per goal ratio in the Premier League this season behind Haaland, uh, Isaac and Kane, which is not, not bad. And he's got the best minutes per goal ratio by a Leeds player in a league season since David Sommer, 2010-11. Wow. Leeds United legend. Great finisher, to be fair. He was very good with Sommer. Yeah. I remember that Sommer when he came back. He'd been away at Lincoln, hadn't he, on loan? And then he came back in pre-season with like long hair and a beard. Yeah. Looking all sexy and scoring loads of goals. And it was like, <laughs> fucking hell, where's he come from? Was, he come was, there from? Not, was there not some wishful thinking built into that? But you think, what do you mean? Well, like, it, they were the fallow years, weren't they? And then all well, of yeah, a sudden... But he, was, looked, he was brilliant, though, for a, for a time. He, he yeah. obviously suffered very badly with injuries, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, he came back from Lincoln, like a man transformed. Yeah, I do love the, the, the tweets and the, the ideas that you come up with in terms of like, first player since like Frank Strandley yeah you know? that's really yeah that's that's kind of what I, I look for because Leeds fans love the history of the club there was one when the lockdown season was was bad because we weren't there but from a statistical perspective I was at home all the time so 
I had my laptop there ready. So if something happened, and sometimes again, I guess it's sad, but like before a game, I'll be, I'll have things that might happen in a game ready to go. <laughs> like if it does happen, and like I look it up before. Mm-hmm. So things like Nonto, you know, most goals and assists by a teenager in a season since Fabian Delph, like that. I remember having that before he got the assist last time. And, you know, in the game when he didn't get an assist and wasn't that player, it didn't happen. So again, that kind of gets put put in the draft. So it, it kind of stays in the stays in my mind. I'm intrigued to know what, what you're waiting for this season. If there's a really good one. one you've got. Yeah, there is one. And it, it's it's about Archie Gray, but uh, we'll have to wait. If he, if, he, if he starts a game for Leeds in the Premier League and scores in his first start then I'll yeah is it going to be an all, is it going to be an all-time record breaking type it's, start it's a good one yeah it's a good it's a good one. oh you've excited me now yeah i mean the other one is liam cooper will be the first player to play under 11 managers when he eventually plays wow. under Gracia. he he I think he got the league record but gary kelly has got 10 and he played under dave dave geddes against yeah. uh, against south end in the cup so how do you think of this stuff i, I I want to know what's going on in your brain. Yeah, but you don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good place to be. <laughs> I guess someone like Archie Gray is a is a brilliant yeah. person to have though because you've got so much family stuff you can yeah. tie it into. Yeah. He's incredibly young. Yeah. Like you can, I imagine that you can say you know, he's the, the first player from the third generation of, yeah, yeah. you know, all that, that kind of stuff that you can go into which is yeah. which yeah. is brilliant for stuff like that. I mean, and we are foolishly sentimental aren't we about stuff like that just just hearing old players names I mean talk sport Barry Glendening and Max Rushton do it the Culver House thing they do which is just them listing old footballers yeah and it's good it's a bit like the same feeling you get do you see the clip of Silla Black signing off um, every episode of Surprise Surprise just, just listing people who've been on the show just listing old entertainers basically but surprisingly engaging <laughs> you I, just haven't, I haven't seen that is that right it was, done, it was done the rounds on Twitter in the last week Okay, but I watched it Ultimate Chaos were mentioned and I thought oh I remember them Ultimate chaos. <laughs> just like daft old bands it's the same with footballers yeah. I just love hearing like a, a random League One player's name thrown in you say Ian Westlake and you go oh god yeah we yeah. had him it is funny though that, that like my standard go to Ian Westlake fact is because I remember seeing it on Football Focus is that he was a swimming champion yeah. Mm. yeah do you have any swimming facts no no I don't know no. <laughs> Yes, definitely not. I've outdone him. I'm trying to think if I've got any Ian Westlake leads facts. I don't think he was. Don't think he had much. much I mean, you, you've come armed with many, many sheets of paper, Johnny. Yeah, like, there is a lot going a on. Ridiculous amount of of prep. What have you got there that you can surprise us with? Well, there's one actually one that I thought might be a bit of a talking point was so across the last three seasons, Jack Harrison's got the 11th most chances created in open play in the Premier League, and it's right. the fifth most of any English player. So in that time, 12 English players have created uh, more than 75 chances in open play. And he's the only one who hasn't got an England cap. Now, again, that's not me saying Jack Harrison should be in the England team. But do we think if Jack Harrison was playing for, say he got that move to Newcastle and he suddenly started putting these numbers up for Newcastle who are going for Europe and, you know, we're in the cup final. Do we think then he might be more on Gareth Southgate's radar? You know, say he got like three assists in a game and it was like on Twitter again. Twitter's a big thing with like, he put, puts players on a pedestal. It's like, he's done this the first place to do that since. And it really pushes them to the forefront of people's minds. So I just wondered if you felt if he played for a team who were nearer the top, obviously we would wish he was playing for Leeds near the top. Would it's, he be in the reckoning? It's funny as Jack is, we've, we've spoken about him in, in recent weeks on the show about his frustrating side, because we did, it was Heroes and Villains, wasn't it? We get, mm-hmm. we had the good half of Jackie and the bad half of Jackie. Uh, it was Brighton, wasn't it? And obviously he yeah. didn't score the own goal in the end. A Leeds fan, are we too harsh on him? Should we, should we value him higher based on the stats? He's a frustrating player because you see that on certain days he can really do it. And he he sort of appears to have a bit of everything as well. He's got he's got a brilliant work rate. He can deliver a cross. He's got a good shot on him when he wants. 
And some days, though, he's just completely off it. And I think that's the frustrating thing. Like, which game was it this season when it, he was just was awful? It, was it Everton away? Yes, he ended up with like a 47% pass completion yeah. rate or something. Like, it, just, it was one of those games where you watched it and you were genuinely, it looked like a competition winner in it. It was a bit like, <laughs> it was a bit like in, the, in the league one days or whatever when you, a player would turn up. Or, an, or under the in the Chilino years where you'd, you'd see yeah. like Edgar Charney turn up yeah. and you'd, you'd see him have a touch on the ball and you'd think, oh, I'm not sure about this. This, it, this <laughs> it looks, looks a bit like me in the park. This looks kind of unconventional <laughs> and Habibu yeah. charging about and stuff like that. So he look he can look as bad as that when he's having a terrible day. Then again, I think if he was if he was probably on the bench for Scum, he'd have a better chance of getting England caps. Yeah, because well, of, over the I mean I know Scum out the force they used to be, but in the old days it used to be like Phil Neville would not play. He'd be on the bench for Scum getting every England squad he'd leave play every game for Everton never get in it again mm. which was always the pattern and like where's Brown and people like that as soon as they actually left to play football never seen again for England yeah true yeah. Edgar Chani did have the worst shot I think I've ever seen a Leeds player have get away at Brighton <laughs> I didn't even know he'd had one kicked kick the floor and it just, <laughs> it just like P-rolled over the line and I remember they showed that game in the pavilion on Beanback and Edgar Chani the first thing he did and I said <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not good Jesus Christ there's the Steve Morrison one that went out for a throw oh, as well that was, that, that, game, yeah, that was a shock that, that gif resurfaces every now and then doesn't it where it drops him in front of the south stand <laughs> yeah. doesn't it and he, he, he takes a thinks it on a half volley or something yeah. but he, it looks there it's there to be hit is what you would say and then it's, it's made better by the commentator really goes for the shout <laughs> Morris oh, oh god <laughs> you're expecting the Ducara you get the uh, oh, get the Jeff oh, Thomas. Yeah. I mean, that was a shock to everyone when that went in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that was one of everyone. Went, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know I edited him. And go on, then. What else have you got? Um, what do you get? Well, again, on Jack Harrison. So I, I put this on quite a lot when he scores. We do tend to win when Jack Harrison scores. Mm. So he's got an eighty percent win ratio in games he's scored in. So of eight of the eighty-five players who scored in more than twenty games for Leeds, only Tony Yeboah has a higher win percentage in the games he scored in. Wow, ninety-one percent. Lucky Jackie, he's our talisman. Yeah. Does, so you bow, does you bow up crop up quite a bit? Because he had a, a strange period at Leeds because he was he's almost got legendary status from about 30 games. Yeah, yeah. He, I think in his first 20 games, he's up there for like goals in the first 20 games. A lot of the players who, who, who are top for that are players from like the 1920s and 30s mm. who tend to get forgotten. You know, Tom Jennings and Charlie Keat. Like Charlie Keat, they had like four hat-tricks in his first 20 games or something bonkers, <laughs> which just doesn't happen anymore. And, yeah, but yeah, it, it, Yeboah does feature, Yeboah features quite a lot on goals in London for some reason. Like, we we don't score goals in London, obviously, we don't mm. win in London, but I think he got something like 10 in seven games in London. Got an yeah. absolute beauty. I think it was the opening day against West, West Ham. Ham. One where yeah. he, he twatted it so hard, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I think his M- last, M- yeah. McCloskey and Ed just went, well, it was just really too hard. I <laughs> how, can't save that. How often do you think about Tony Yeboah, like, really? More than, more than I should. Considering, <laughs> it, like you say, he played a handful of games. And I say this with your left hand, actually, is resting on him on the desk here. It is. It is. I've got. I, I met him, and that was nice. I've still got. The, I'll, I'll treasure the picture of me and Tony. Yeah, I probably think about him what once every week, two weeks. I think. Well, it's just those goals. He was so good, he, and he's the reference point for a goal off the crossbar. Bamford yeah. the other week. Yeah, you can't see a ball going off the crossbar, ailing against Huddersfield. Ball off the bar. You think you bow it. Yeah. Every single time, Dakara hits a volley very hard. You bow it. You bow it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He is. He is. He is. He's the like the uh, the zero AD. For yeah. volleys, isn't he? Which is weird. I mean, when you look back at his goals, he scored loads of different types of goals. There were some some good headers in there. There were ones where he did dink it. There were the ones where he ran from forty yards out, went past a few people, put it in the corner. But yeah, it's just because hitting a ball very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Any anything, anyone who does that, you just go. So football is a simple game, isn't it? But you're boorish that. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, for people over a certain age, I think definitely, yeah. definitely. 
So Harrison's the lucky talisman. We need to be kinder to Jackie. Yeah. Oh, the other one, just about Tony Boa, by the way, just before we move on from Tony. Not that we want to, but... Uh, we don't have to. He was born on 6 of the 666, and he played 66 games for Leeds. His date of birth was always a point of contention, wasn't mm, it? People yeah. were used to kind of were sort of speculate yeah, that yeah. he was older than he'd said. And um, I guess if you're going to lie, it's a nice easy one to remember, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. For any forms. <laughs> like, don't get it wrong, Tony. You've got to keep things on the, on the straight and narrow way. I mean, if he was in his mid-30s when he played for Leeds, great. Bad all bad. the more credit to him because you, you couldn't tell at all. And by the time he did come back for Lucas's testimonial. Oh yeah, I remember that. I was like, that yeah, one yeah. great. Yeah. I have to say, because I was really looking forward to seeing you Boa again then. Although so, we, have, we have since like looked at him and, he, and he's holding the, uh, not it's not called the UEFA Cup anymore, is it? What is it called? Europa League. The Europa League trophy that Frankfurt won. Mm. And he's holding that. So it's a, obviously it's kind of like holding up today's newspaper in terms of date, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That. Yeah. And uh, and he looked well. He looked like he's um, he's laid off the Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, well, I, I follow him on Instagram. I think he's... Um, I think he's got remarried and he's doing that. Oh, um, so he's putting effort in again. I think he's putting effort in again. I think he's what's, <laughs> what's happened. Classic, so. Suddenly found myself uh, single. <laughs> Going to take up jogging. Me or Dan with a nice suntan and a bit, living a bit of weight. You'll know what's happened. <laughs> a hair transplant coming through the front. I am desperate for you to walk in one day like that Shearer meme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so are we moving on from you, Boa, and uh, hair transplant? Sorry. I've, we've got side sideline, don't we? No, that's fine. Uh, the one about Christensen, quickest sub goal since Leon Constantine broke his arm. Yeah, nice. sold him. Nice. That is a good stat. What's the other one? Uh, well, we've won the last our last four games when we started in the relegation zone as well. So maybe it's not. A, so we need to be in there to not get thing. out of there. To, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I saw a stat actually this week. Last or last week, whenever it was, was it even an Optus stat? It might have been that the the team that's been. Oh, it was Premier League who who tweeted it out. So mm. it might be one of yours. Yeah. Um, that the team that's that's been in twentieth position at the start of the game. Uh, game week, sorry, has had the best record in the bottom half yeah, across the whole right. season or something. Yeah. So, the, so the worst team becomes the best team and they just keep recycling mm-hmm. yeah. d- different teams to bottom. This season seems ripe for changing some relegation stats because it's so fluid at the bottom and there are so many teams in there. It feels like there's, there'll be stats of, it'll be it'll be someone like Palace who hadn't been in the bottom three all yeah. season yeah. but did go down. They, they were only in the bottom three for seven days and they went down or something like oh yeah. they were in the bottom three for an hour and they went down or something is what it, I think it'll end up being this for season an hour imagine that That'd be, you'd be that furious wouldn't you <laughs> yeah last, last kick of the season we, or could, we could be furious well yeah like, if, yeah. If you if you manage to avoid it all season then you, yeah, you go down with the last kick and you're like well we were in there for a minute and we're in the championship next it's season it's a sad hangdog face uh, of Roy Hodgson I think to be fair last year when we obviously went into the last game not knowing if we were going to stay up I think we we'd only been in the relegation zone about 20 23, 24 days. Mm. Might have been a couple more, but it was like the fewest potentially by a team going down for about 20 years. So we, you know, last season was horrendous, but we, we weren't really in the relegations on that much. So. Did you think we were staying up on the last day? Jesus, that was a stressful day. Because I, I didn't. No, I was, you just convince yourself, don't you? It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think I thought we were going to stay up but I would have fully accepted it not. I don't know. I just, it, it just, it's the same reason why we've got the standing joke of we've always got one in us that I do on mm. the Phil Hay show because I don't know, Some just sometimes Leeds pull these stupid things out of the bag and it's often when we've all been put through the mill in the worst possible way. I think it's, it's almost like they like to punish us before redeeming themselves at like the 11th hour. Maybe. It was a nice feeling though, wasn't it? When that ball hit the net, 90th minute. Made it all worthwhile. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, we, we had suffered up to that point though, haven't we? It was a bloody horrible season. Yeah. Horrible. But then Jackie scores <clears throat> and we win, don't we? Exactly. What else have we got? Uh, there's one about the FA Cup draw. I know that was a, a big thing on, mm. on Twitter with uh, 12 consecutive away draws. That's a joint record in 
the history of the FA Cup, which has been going 151 years, and we are joint record holders, which is not bad. I have absolutely no doubt that record will become ours next year. Yeah, yeah. I almost hope we get it. Really, we deserve it. <laughs> well, I feel we deserve something. <laughs> well, I had a little, I had a bit of a further deep look into it, and so since the last time we got a home draw, which was Rotherham, January 2016, mm-hmm. Mustafa Carrill's finest hour. Um, that was a game I'd completely forgotten about. Speaking yeah. about how I forget entire games now, that was one where I saw the goal. Good goal, wasn't it? Great goal, yeah. But yeah, yeah. sorry, I've surfaced on Twitter and I was like, no, nope, no, no, nope, don't remember that happening. Just don't recognise Ellen Road in the <laughs> FA Cup. Uh, so we've had, there's 101 teams have played in the top four tiers of English football since then, and Leeds are the only one who haven't had a home draw. Shrewsbury Town have had 18 home draws since we last got a home draw in the FA Cup. Man United had, I think, 15. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So the heating balls. The heating balls, yeah, I think it must be. It's, <laughs> it does go It does go to the point where it is kind of like beyond a joke, really. I know like, we're starting to sound like Wolves fans here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we get the tinfoil hats on the and thing all the is, rest of it. If there's a conspiracy to stop Leeds winning the FA Cup, it's working. It, no, it's just not necessary. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> look we don't at, look at our record in it. It's absolutely abysmal. Even when we've had brilliant sides over the years, always still shit in the FA Cup. Yeah. Somebody posted that uh, 98. I, I was only four, but when Hasselback missed a penalty, oh, Wolves, Keith, Keith yeah. Curl was just so aggressive. Uh, yeah. I didn't realise how aggressive he was. Fucking Don Goodman that day as well. Yeah. Uh, who was it that was chucking mud at Hasselbank as he took the penalty? That was Curl. Was well, that Curl? I thought, oh, no, it was Muscat. Muscat, yeah. <laughs> it was fucking Muscat. Serves you right for Muscat. Yeah, of course it was Muscat. Yeah, it was lobbing bits of mud. Yeah, Curl was the one who grabbed him by the, sort of by the face, I mm, think it was. Yeah. He sort of around the neck into his, uh, into his jaw. Just angry. And it's like, yeah, sneered at him. Yeah, the FA, the FA Cup's for other people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not for us, not for us. No. <laughs> we should not enter next So year. uncouth, yeah, like Man United did when yeah. they were after the just world. Don't, just don't bother. <laughs> just save everyone some hassle. <laughs> or win it would be the other thing I'd like yep. us to do. Yeah. I actually allow myself to get carried away this season. I think because we managed to scrape through against a couple of shit teams. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, tell you what, it's Na- opening up. Names on the cup. It's opening up. But I mean, looking at it, if you follow them, probably... Were kind of on course to cause an upset. I would say the other day against Scum until they they completely went mad. And then you're looking at the the teams left in it, mm. and you would be thinking, yeah. got a chance here. I know, I know, Man, Man City is still Man in City, it, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, then we get get to the final, lose Man, to Man City seven 0 I mean, Man City yeah. are ruining stats, aren't they? And Harland, well, Harland, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about um, you know you look back and again historical stats of like compared to like Dixie Dean, um, and that's kind of why the, the cutoff point is the Premier League because that's sort of we have all the footage of those goals. All the assists, everything like that. So that's kind of the cut-off point. But football you know, began in 1992. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I know that's the thing that gets kind of yeah chucked to them. I mean, I you know I'd love to have a database which has every appearance by a team player in the top flight, but it's you know quite difficult to come by. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll work on it. But um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously incredible. But it's, it just makes me laugh when you know you get people saying, "Is he going to do it in the Premier League though? Is he going to?" And you think, "Yes, the man's like a robot. Like he's mm. just." That's it. like Rory Jennings though. Isn't it? We know, we know anyone who does well at Salzburg will do well in the Premier League. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I do wonder what it is that makes him... Is it just that he's in the best team who've set up to play, to feed him? To I don't know. He just seems to be in the right place all the time. Mm. And he hits it dead hard. Yeah. And I think he's got he's a mixture of loads of different things, isn't he? He's got the sort of positional awareness and the, yeah. the coolness under pressure that you expect of, like, I don't know, Kevin Phillips. Someone to name, to name <laughs> like a generic high-scoring Premier League player. But yeah. then he's also fucking massive and really quick mm. so he's he's got the speed of Owen yeah. the physicality of like Drogba or someone yeah. just got everything it's ridiculous it's not fair It's the I think it's the physicality and the strength like I've, I've not seen anybody out Muslim I mean they could, mm. could be wrong like it could be somebody I've forgotten but like when he when he came to Ellen Road and it was like yeah I can't remember who was, who was in defence that day was Laurenti in defence that day <laughs> hopefully I don't think he would have been because he would have probably 
crushed him. But uh, he was, yeah, he, he was just, you just looked at him and you just thought, yeah, we're not stopping him. Mm. I think Cooper was centre half, wasn't he? Because he could get the ball away, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, admittedly, had a, a absurdly good record against Leeds, but Shearer was the other player yeah. who I used to just watch and think, he's, there's no way we're stopping yeah. him scoring. Yeah. Like he, he will score today. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. And he always used to do it. But... Cock, Cock and Cooper, by the way, just to answer that Cock question. Yeah. Yeah. And Strauch was at left back. He's as strong as J. Roy Grott. <laughs> Uh, and uh, amazingly, I've just looked. At, I think who's that at right back? And they've put R. Nissen, but I think it's uh, oh yeah, Rasmus. Yeah, he's got his. his oh, yeah. I think it's like some Scandinavian naming convention that we weren't aware that, of. That yeah. Have gone on there. Yeah, they were quite good that day, weren't they? And not, and not like annoyingly so that you just knew that all it would take is one sniff and they would score. And the fact that they just put a couple on a plate for Harlan, it's stop it. It's just not fair, is it? He has he has broken everything. Yeah, I mean, and you've got to remember that they have got De Bruyne feeding him like. He's got chances. He's the best, you know, one of the best players in the Premier League, best, most creative player in the Premier League. You put that with Haaland and how do you stop that? That's why I just think it's crazy. Is there anything that stood out to you from a Leeds perspective this season that maybe we weren't aware of that isn't sort of broadly known? I mean, there's a few down here, but there's not, yeah, they're, they're kind of known, I guess. The one about Furpo with yellow cards is always a good one. What's that? He's got the uh, worst minutes per rally, rally, yellow card ratio in Premier League history. Oh, wow. Of any player to play 2,000 wow. minutes. That is good going. Yeah. It's impressive because he's not a dirty player either. No, he just kind of he just does that kind of pulls people down foul. Or <laughs> just flips like he just grabs all of them and yellow done. Does hasn't been sent off, so he you know he just kind of sticks on the yellow. Mm. Yeah, you think you think it'd be someone like Lee Catamole or someone who, yeah. who would have been <laughs> just to, just to pick a, a so a player from like from the era when you couldn't kick people anymore. But even then, it's changed. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, now they are so militant about yellow cards that compared to then, you could get you could always get away with one back then. And I, it's, I it's like, VAR that's kind of cemented it, I think. I feel like it, you get too many yellows now. I know you, from watching back sort of 91, 92 stuff, the concept of letting everyone have one was very much there in those days. And mm. there is, there's some stuff goes on early in games and you think, yeah. Jesus Christ, that's like a proper leg breaker there because it's in the third minute, refs are like, ah, it's fine. Yeah. Just don't do it again. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't break his other leg. <laughs> so like Tony Adams back in the day was always like, I'll go through the back of him once and the referee will go, that's your, that's your first one, Tony. Mm. That's your, next one's a yellow. So yeah, you, you knew you always got one. Yeah, every game, like, just do that. and just yeah, crazy. Leave one on each other. Yeah, but VAR has changed it, I think, hasn't it? There, have you got any stats about VAR? There you go. No, I don't. You know, I don't the conspiracy. I'm, I'm, not a, yeah, I'm not a VAR person. I don't, no. I don't like VAR, to be honest. I never, never wanted it in. I don't know anyone who actually any, attends oh. games who likes VAR. No. I think people mm. who just watch football on telly are kind of all right with it and maybe aren't as invested in a particular team. If, if you watch football as a, as a TV sport, mm. it makes more sense, I think. Well, because it's, it's a, it is, by its very definition, video. It's, mm. it's, the, it's the right medium, isn't it? Mm. Whereas in the stadium, it's awful. Yeah. Because you're not yeah. quite sure what's going on, are you? No, no, never. You, you're completely uninformed. And you, yeah. And you get, like, you see, you're celebrating the goal sometimes and you see yeah. the ref doing that little thing where he puts his hand out to one side yeah. while, pe- while opposition players are moaning at him and you can see him going, Yep, yeah, we're gonna. You can do any. You can oh, do the, yeah, the air touch. Yeah, they're kind of doing the air, we're checking it. We're checking it. We're checking it. You think what are you checking? What are you checking? There's nothing wrong with that. Just give it. Uh, yeah, because you you realise that they're checking something, but then it takes them a minute to put something up on the screen. Mm. Potential red card, potential offside, whatever yeah. it might be. So there's always that lag, isn't there? Yeah. There's an interesting article in the Guardian actually that's been published in the last few days about referees. Uh, it's one of those those sort of long reads, and it's about how easily they are influenced by the crowd, particularly home crowds, and how they try and speeding up VAR and how sometimes they make panic decisions mm. what I took away from it is we should lean on refs more as a crowd basically to try and influence first minute boo imagine yeah. it didn't work for Wolves did it because they were no. they were at it from pretty early on because I think because of 
things that have happened to them in the previous weeks, they were absolutely livid about every decision, weren't they, from from the start of that game? And it quite spectacularly backfired, I would say. Yeah, it was interesting. They were saying they get briefed by, I don't know if it's HQ or briefing, or whether it's the refs themselves who have this sort of data about what particular players will do, which ones are prone to like falling over, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they watch out for them. They mentioned specifically, they didn't say who it was, but there was one Everton player in particular that they've been tipped off has a tendency to go down easily, so they, they were told to watch out for that. So there is bias that's introduced into it, mm. like with how they referee games. That's interesting, and it's fair enough. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the thing. It's like when when certain players don't get a free kick, you kind of think, "Well, good, mm. yeah. <laughs> don't deserve one." Yeah. Thinking about Bruno Fernandes again, aren't you? <laughs> <sighs> Deary me. Yeah, he's a he's awful. Any stats you want to share with us, then, Johnny? Before we wrap it up, well, I've got a couple. Of, I, I, the ones that I've kind of discovered over time from the database. So. Go on, then. So we've had two hat-tricks scored by teenagers in Leeds United's history. Can you name the two players? Ooh. Uh, 1966, 1985. Tommy Wright. Tommy Wright, correct. Was it against Wolves? Um, Not Wolves. Notts County. Notts County, right. Okay, 66. Wolves, I think he scored two, actually. I'm glad I got that, though. Yeah, that's very good. The other one's a more well-known player. In fact, very well-known. Eddie Gray? Peter Lorimer. Peter Lorimer. Ah. So the the fact about that is Peter Lorimer did that in 1966, January 1966, and then... Tommy Wright did that in January 1985. Peter Lorimer played in both games. Uh, do you know what? I, I was Who was I talking to about this the other day? I can't remember. Was it you maybe, Michael? Like, I remember years ago, one, one of my first VHS tapes that I had that I kept, because when Leeds were on telly when we were mm. in the second division in the 80s, they were just never on. They were just, you, know, you were lucky if you got a bit of yeah. highlights on the local news. And I remember, I think it was the big match might have done an extended bit of coverage. And it was Leeds against Wolves, which is the game that I was thinking of. Yeah. And I can still to this day remember... Tommy Wright playing in that game. Yeah. I might have even, do you know what? It might have even been Oxford. Definitely someone sort of yellow goldie. Yeah. And Tommy Wright played in that game, scored in that game, and Lorimer played in that game as yeah. well. Because that was who Lorimer was to me. It yeah, was, yeah. was somebody who was at the back end of his career. Mm. And I saw him sort of uh, after he made his comeback at Leeds in the 80s. Lorimer's quite dominant in stats as well, isn't he? Because he's got yes. he's the youngest and most goals, and it's pretty unlikely either of those will, no. will be broken yeah. anytime soon. He, was actually Gray ever in with the chance of breaking it? I think he might have been. Yeah. I think he was. I don't know if he was a few days younger than Lorimer, but mm. he was, yeah, he was, I think when he was on the bench against Arsenal, he was around that time. Yeah. I think he would have been the youngest if he had come up. But like, like, yeah, Lorimer spanned sort of so many different eras. Like yeah. he played, the thing with Lorimer is like he played with John Charles, who <laughs> made his debut in 49. And he also played with Terry Phelan, who also played with Phil Jagielka. So that's how like close yeah, you can you're like, in the modern day. Modern day already, just from Pete Lorimer, just in two players. So yeah, Lorimer features, yeah, in loads. Like he, Stuart Dallas scored away at Man United and Man City in the in the lockdown season. And that, he was the first player to do that in the same season since Lorimer in 71-72. Mm-hmm. And I think he he just died like the month before. So, you know, he's, he's, he pops up, pops up everywhere. And go on then, give us one big stat to, to finish us off, Johnny. So we have a player who has the record for the most top flight goals in a season for a team who's relegated that season. That's a Leeds player. That's a Leeds stat. Wow, Leeds. Leeds. Uh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is 1927. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's one of the lads, isn't it? It's going to be Rodrigo this season. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> I hope no. not. But yeah, that was Tom Jennings. Tom- 35 goals and we got relegated. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. We were saying on the podcast this week, if you can get like, if Rodrigo does get to 15 or 20, you, it's basically impossible to, yeah. to get relegated with a striker who scores that many, but 35 in a 35, season. Yeah, and he got 12 in October 1926 and nobody else that season got more than 11 league goals. So he got more in one month. <laughs> And he's got a hat-trick in three consecutive league games, which is wow. one of the top flight records. So Makes, me, to... makes me feel all the worse for having to sit through George <laughs> Graham. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. 
I feel, I feel like he's probably broken a few stats in that season as well. For I think we are the joint most nil-nils in a Premier League yeah. season that year. And yeah. we scored like six goals all season, it yeah. felt like. It was absolutely <laughs> dismal. Yeah, so after some frantic Googling, and thanks to oswhitelufc.net.au, who put together some brilliant stats across the years, like recording Leeds games, I've discovered it was. It was the 1st of September 1984 against Wolves at home. 3-2, we beat them. And Tommy Wright scored twice. and Peter Lorimer scored once in that game. That was the game I was thinking mm-hmm. of in my head. Well, thank you for all your work, Johnny. Um, we appreciate it. Keep no tweeting, because um, yes. I think the, um, the Leeds United Twitter sphere is better for having you tweeting stuff out into it. Brilliant facts every single week, so... Keep up the good work, as the saying goes. Thank you. Yeah, I keep trying to keep it positive as long as we keep winning. That was the, that was the best thing about the Bielsa era was that we had so many good good stats and positive things to say. So, yeah, fingers crossed it's a nice end to the season. And, yeah, try and get that Archie Gray stat out there. Keep an eye out. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.